Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S-Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S-Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So, my guest on the podcast today is Barbara Mendes-George. Hello. Hi, Sophie. Hi, so you've been on the podcast before. Um, how did you find this Hollywood 7 episode in comparison to the Artistic Differences special that you saw before? So I thought this episode was wildly different. It was incredibly song heavy and there wasn't a lot of plot, but it was a bit more polished and refined. You know, even from the credits from the beginning, you see that the production value is much better this time around than the last time. Yeah, definitely. I think particularly that special that you were here for last time was a real drop. I don't know what happened. It had a different director, if I remember rightly. I don't know if that was something to do with it. But um, yeah, I can see how this is kind of like a step up in like the visual style. But uh, yeah, there isn't much plot in this one. There isn't much plot. I mean, they are acting better. I thought a lot more believable, let's say. And in... I almost enjoyed it having not very much plot just because it seemed a lot less surreal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, you, when you're watching it with a critical eye. But that doesn't mean that there is an absolute nonsense that happens because there is. Of course, that's what we expect. So today we're talking about Hollywood 7 episode 12, which is called The Concert. And it aired on CBBC on the 13th of December 2001. Um, as we said already, this episode is very light on plot um mainly because they perform three full songs in this episode usually there's just one uh (laughs) so that takes up a significant bit of the runtime um but the basic premise is that the band are now doing their first big concert in an arena where it's like it's just them really they're not supporting anyone else it's just s club seven in front of twelve thousand fans Um, I feel like even though we've had three series of them trying to be successful, now that the rise to fame has happened, it's happened quite rapidly. Like they got their big break two episodes ago when they were the support act for someone in this very arena. And now it isn't really clear how much time has passed, but they're back at the same arena and they have like packed it out with their fans that they now have I I like to think it's a few weeks later I think that's probably what would happen in the world of this show right because I didn't realize it was the same arena and the 12,000 people gets mentioned so often in this episode that it (laughs) then there we go it already stops making sense because they're, they're doing what they've already done before on a different scale sure because people are coming to see them live but the way that they panic in this episode when it's everything they've wanted is quite bizarre 
Yeah, the phrase 12,000 people comes up a lot. That's a drinking game. It's drink (laughs) every time you hear 12,000 people. (laughs) Exactly. Even when they're talking about 10,000 people. No, it's it's, they're going to mention the 12,000 people later on. Don't you worry. (laughs) Yeah, it starts off with the band all asleep and they're kind of tossing and turning Paul is sleep eating a sandwich. Classic of course, Paul. Of course. Of course, fat shaming Paul already from uh, the get go. Mm-hmm. And we see their manager, Dean, who I enjoyed that he was kind of standing in that Alan Partridge pose with his leg <laughs> up and he's got his arm leaning on it. Uh, he's talking to Howard from the record label about how the band have got this massive show coming up. Mm-hmm. And Howard says it's going to be bigger than the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, D-Day, and Pearl Harbor. <laughs> that made me laugh so much. <laughs> Very specific periods of history in America. I mean, I'm sure you can get better ones, you know, Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show, whatever it is, rather than Pearl Harbor. <laughs> They're all, like, disasters. They're all catastrophic <laughs> events. Like, is he saying it's going to be worse? than all of those or just more significant Unclear at this stage and also I, maybe you can explain as the expert but I thought this wouldn't be their first concert I mean the special that I saw with you they played at Battle of the Bands I guess is it their first headline concert and that's why it's a big deal because they've definitely played a ton of concerts before yeah they've played in front of quite big audiences before I guess in this episode it's it's specifically an S Club 7 concert like people have bought tickets to see them because they're now just starting to get big mm-hmm. um like i said no idea how much time has passed since the last episode <laughs> where they were still kind of like nobodies but um yeah it's all happened quite quick uh howard also mentions the episode of friends where monica <laughs> and ross got married <laughs> Absolutely great joke here. (laughs) And Dean sort of corrects him, doesn't he? And is like, aren't they brother and sister? And Howard goes, I know, I can't believe they got away with that on national TV. (laughs) So this made me genuinely laugh. It made me think, okay, this this has improved massively. That is a belly laugh. Nice little reference that, you know, the mums and dads and the children are quite likely to get. Because I remember watching Friends with my parents. So yeah, much, much better than usual. I feel like in this whole scene, Dean is talking to Howard like he's visiting him in a nursing home or something. (laughs) Like, even in the context of this show, Howard is just not on the same planet as everyone else. Like, he comes from a world where this episode of Friends happened. He remembers it vividly. (laughs) And he puts it in the same category as, obviously, as we know, Pearl Harbor, D-Day, and the assassination (laughs) of Abraham Lincoln. So, you know, he just lives on a different time plane from the rest of us, Sophie. I think that's what it is. He's a time traveller... He's, you know, a spirit more than just a, a record label boss. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, if that had happened in Friends, that would have been pretty huge. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, Howard's quite concerned about the concert. He asks Dean if they really have what it takes to perform in front of all these people. And it's like, you gave them a record deal, mate. You don't seem to have much faith in them here. And Dean is the one who's kind of like, oh, no, they are ready. Honest, it'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, I love how Dean reassures them that they can sing, dance and perform as if, you know, perform is separate uh, from the other two. But from the That's beginning... That's a triple threat. A, a triple threat from a pop band, the bare minimum that you would expect, I would say, from a commercial pop band. 
Um, but he's Howard's almost forgotten who S Club 7 is at the beginning of the scene. He has to be reminded who they are. But then at the same time, he says, I think later on, if they sink, you sink. So this band that he doesn't know is what's going to make or break Dean. So again, sense, what sense? Yeah, Howard definitely has some sort of problem. Like, yeah, he, he he doesn't remember them. And then a few seconds later, he's kind of like, oh, yeah, those guys, do you really think they can hack it? Mm, yeah, it's... Uh, and I, I also, Howard is like looking... He's eating ice cream, isn't he? Just looking very, very dazed. Um, yeah, who who knows what's going on? I think that's that's all we see of him as well in this episode, right? So... He's, yeah, he's, he's he's yeah. not involved in the concert. He just wants to know how it goes afterwards, clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if he's going to come back later or not. Yeah, I wonder if he'll be back in the finale next. Who mm. knows? Let's see. The band are all sort of talking in their sleep, repeating the words 12,000 people over and over again. <laughs> There's a bit where Tina just kind of goes, big concert, <laughs> <laughs> which <Yeah>. I enjoyed. <laughs> And John says, singing live. So I love the I love the way the exposition is happening. Also love the giant octopus that Bradley has in his bed. That is very original. Um I thought. Oh yeah, that was sweet. <laughs> and they're playing All in Love is Fair, you know, which uh, we discussed on the episode of my podcast that you guested on, which I think is 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 a nice mm-hmm. little tune to accompany you know, the fact that they're sleeping. Yeah, at this point in the show, there's just like constant music in the background where mm. you just kind of tune it out now. But it is like an S Club song. They, I think that maybe they just put a whole album on for the course of the episode, but the <laughs> instrumental version. It does feel like it, definitely. They all suddenly wake up and scream. Um, there's this kind of disjointed conversation where they all think the concert is just a bad dream. And they're all kind of talking to each other and finishing each other's sentences even though I'm pretty sure they don't all sleep in the same room. Like it's just kind of shot in a weird way where they're all seen individually, like almost like they did it socially distanced or something. I wanted to ask you about this because, okay, later on, Joe and Rachel are sharing a room, but that's, that's the only two people you see like physically in a room, but it does make it look like, I I thought at one point the camera was going to pan out and they were all going to be, you know, sleeping in a big living room together. basically. They're just communicating with each other throughout the house somehow. I mean, their bond is so strong, their friendship so deep that, you know, they all have that, you know, telepathic relation, uh, telepathic, yeah, relationship, telepathic views. Yeah, uh, the I'm telepathic sure. powers from like there we go, series powers, one yeah. are back yeah. suddenly. Dun, dun, dun. But yeah, it's it's not a dream. <laughs> yeah, in the next scene, Dean has come around and he's telling them it isn't a bad dream. I like how I can't re- I can't think what the term for this is, but it's like they've all just convinced each other of like the fact that it's a bad dream. Like they've kind of like mm. influenced each other's thoughts, and they've all just collectively decided like, oh yeah, the concert isn't actually happening. That's all just a bad dream, and they're all like, oh yeah, you're right. Um, but Dean tells them, no, it isn't a dream. They are actually doing a concert in front of 12,000 people next week. So they start freaking out. Tina says they're not ready. Rachel (laughs) asks if they can postpone it by a few years. Again, it's like, come on, guys. You've been like, everything's been building up towards this. And now it's come to it. You're like, oh, no, can we have a bit more time, actually? Yeah, it's it's very pantomime this scene because it's like Dean is telling them bit by bit the concert and they all repeat it back to him in unison. Uh, it felt very, very childlike. Yeah. Um, and I, I particularly uh, enjoyed Dean like dishing out some sayings. Uh, and Hannah said, well, you know, uh, this is my saying, don't go on stage if you're rubbish. 
<laughs> that really made me laugh. laugh. Uh, not, you know, Paul's saying of be prepared didn't make me laugh as much. But yeah, again, I was like, okay, this this seems more like the standard that I'm used to. But that joke made me laugh again. I definitely laughed a bit more. And I laughed later on in the scene when he talked about uh, growing up in England. I don't know if you wrote this down. <laughs> yeah, he's like, come on, guys, this is why you escape the grinding poverty of England. And says something <laughs> yeah. about chimney sweeps as well. Where poor little children are sent to school with no shoes on and are sent up chimneys to clean them. <laughs> Dean's view of England. Uh, absolutely hilarious. Clearly, Dean's view of England is Mary Poppins, and that's it. Um, He's so. like, come on, guys, you made it out, and now you're squandering these opportunities. <laughs> but yeah, then suddenly it shifts because John, who said what to when Dean said the grinding poverty of England, suddenly suddenly changes his mind. He's like, yeah, come on, guys, this is what we, we've been waiting for to perform in front of 10,000 people. And then, of course, Rachel says, it's 12,000 people. And John says, oh, yes, exactly. It's the extra 2,000 that worries me. As if that makes a difference. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm not a pop star, but come on, guys. <laughs> Singing live. Big concert. 12,000 people. 12,000 people? 12,000. Think or swim. 12,000 people. I just had this dream that we're doing our first big concert. In front of a live audience. And they were really alive. Help! Wait a minute. It's only a bad dream. Is it? Yes. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for that. Thank goodness. It's not a dream. It's, it's not, not a dream. dream. No, you are doing a live concert. Live, live concert. concert. That's right, in front of 12,000 people. 12,000 people? That's right, next week. Next week? Guys, could you please not keep saying everything all together? It's really annoying. Sorry. But there's no way we can do a concert. We're not ready. Well, sure you are. You have the songs, you have the dances. You know the saying, time waits for no man. Strike while the iron is hot. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. Yeah, but there's another saying, be prepared, and we're not. Yeah, and have you heard the saying, don't go on stage if you're rubbish? So you have a week to not be rubbish. Bless him. Yeah, John was up for it with 10,000, but 12,000 is a step too far. Too much. We know his limits now. Then in the next scene, Paul has decided he wants to lose half a stone before the concert next week. And do the rest of the band advise him against this? No, Bradley says, good idea, Chubzo. Chubzo, Chubzo. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. My God. Unbelievable. I felt bad for Paul. I felt bad for Paul. I mean, already when when it started with him sleep eating a sandwich, I thought, oh dear, here we go. <laughs> Um, and yeah, Tina in this episode, who I think her character trait is to be judgmental, you know, mm -hmm. just really is is there taking away cheesy and wheaty things to to bin them with with John as her sidekick. Very strange. Yeah, she's sort of binning every snack in the house, and she's categorizing a snack as anything that makes a noise when you eat it, <laughs> which yeah. seems a bit much. Like Paul's only allowed to live on yogurt now. Exactly. Yogurt, smoothies and hummus and that's it for Paul. Um, yeah. And then a very strange cameo. <laughs> right. I couldn't think who this was. I recognized his face, but he wasn't in the credits. So is this like a chip? It's Michael Underwood. Yeah. It's the TV, uh, like the children's TV presenter who's married to Angelica right. Bell. I, oh, I couldn't okay. believe it. 
I wrote down children's TV presenter, but I like looked in the credits for his name and he's just not there. So I was like, I know this person. Who is this? Right. I Because he won. This is very, this is very niche. So, you know, I, <laughs> hopefully okay for this podcast. But I, the first time I saw him was that he won a reality TV show. I can't remember I think what it was called, possibly Gabby Roslin and Michael Barrymore were there, but I think mm-hmm. his dream had been to always be TV, a children's TV presenter. So I think I felt a bit of a connection to him and like, you know, it was great to see him succeed. But then I've kind of forgotten about him until I remembered that he was married to Angelica Bell. So I couldn't remember his name when I saw him and I was like, oh, it's that guy. And then I had to go Angelica Bell husband. And there, that's how I found <laughs> him uh, deli- with an absolutely horrendous American accent. Uh, truly terrible <laughs> d- delivering a box of potato chips for Paul Scatterpole <laughs> which really made me laugh do you think this means they filmed these like house scenes in the UK then if he's just like popped in it, for a cameo from CBBC it did make me think that because I mean with the the special that I saw it really seemed like LA or if not LA yeah just a, a sunnier place than in the UK um, but yeah, given, you know, this is the second episode that I've seen with a TV presenter cameo, because obviously the last one had Holly Willoughby. Um, yeah. it, 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 they must do. I mean, I guess it would have saved money too, right? Yeah. Unless he was like on holiday in LA, in LA at the time and like just came over or something. Oh, could um, also be. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was, that was a strange one. Yeah. He, he comes in to deliver this big box of crisps and Tina and John really, threateningly tell him to get out john is like you heard her get out (laughs) and he just sort of runs off bless him yeah it's very dramatic because the scene ends with paul crying that he's hungry and he's like whining and grasping at his stomach (laughs) and it's like jesus christ paul like yeah i feel for you but calm down mate yeah i wrote down the word squealing he's sort of like (laughs) clutching his stomach squealing like a pig and then (laughs) The subplot never comes up again. We don't no. know. Does he lose the weight? Like, who knows? I, I hadn't even thought of that. Because isn't it like they have two weeks? He doesn't have very long to lose a ridiculous amount of weight as well. So Yeah, he yeah. says next week. Like, that's quite yeah. a lot to lose half a stone. Paul, don't yo-yo diet. Come on, mate. Don't do it. Yeah, there's no lesson learned here. Just Bradley calls him chub, so, and then we don't know what <laughs> actually it. happens afterwards. <laughs> I, d- I mean, I don't think he looks dramatically different in uh, in later episodes, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, but it just, you know, because I think it was hinted at as well in the episode that I saw, or maybe because I, I do listen to your podcast, it's definitely been a theme in other episodes. So mm-hmm. yeah, just, it, it's probably like they, they've got some minutes to fill. Let's put in something about Paul being fat. Great. Here we go. <laughs> um, and that's it. Yeah, it, it's now the night before the concert. Um, Rachel seems to be the most nervous. She's struggling to get to sleep. She isn't sure if she can go through with it, and she considers letting Joe punch her so she can get out of the show. Joe says she's going to throttle her, and Rachel's like, "Oh, good idea." <laughs> exactly. Absolutely love the way Joe went. Oh, oh, throttle you! Really made me laugh. <laughs> Joe is just not not a supportive friend in this episode <laughs> at all. Like she just at all. is horrible to Rachel throughout this whole episode. Bullying and violence are Joe's methods to get what she wants in in this episode. When she was also, I mean, I can't remember her specifically, but she was also probably one of the nervous ones in the previous scene. So she's very much changed her tune. But you know that that. That is how the episode plays out, basically. Rachel is the nervous one and 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 we have to deal with it. And then and then we go into a dream sequence. Are our dream sequences common in, in the S Club TV universe? Not really. I mean, I guess they, they wanted to fill some time again. It's strange that they put this 
performance in here as like a dream rather than mm. I guess maybe they wanted to spread them out in the episode a little bit rather than have like three songs in a row at the end at the concert um every time there's a song and the whole song is played I got confused because I was like <laughs> surely surely they're not going to play the whole song I mean beautiful as it was so in this one they're singing never had a dream come true they're all wearing white suits Tina's got plaits, Bradley's got a headband. It's a beautiful sight to to witness. Um, but you're like, surely, you know, a dream sequence isn't meant to be, it's, it's, you know, meant to show something. But no, this and the others, it's the whole, it's the whole shebang. Yeah, they're wearing these sort of Saturday Night Fever suits. Um, <laughs> yeah, and right. yeah, all the, the concert performances in this episode are from um, the S Club Party live tour that they did in 2001. Um mm-hmm. And I watched some of it on YouTube before because they did like release the whole thing on video or DVD at some point. Um, mm-hmm. I just watched like the first few minutes and it the show opens with them all coming onto stage one by one in different ways. So like Paul is driving a little car onto the stage. <laughs> Hannah comes down from the ceiling in a harness and um, <laughs> Tina sort of gets wheeled on in a carriage. Right, okay. <laughs> and it, it's kind of like, and there's weird little scripted bits, like there's a sort of comedy bit where John is like in front of the stage on the ground and the security guard won't let him go up there and he's being all like, but I'm in the band. It's just, oh, it's God. very odd. I, I wasn't expecting so much like scripted stuff from a, a show. Why do, they, why do they keep forcing it with S Club? I mean, you know, they they've got some decent songs and they can sing dance and perform so just let them do it you don't need them to do to do comedy um but yeah i think what seemed pretty obvious to me already here but then even more so it's clearly not la it's clearly it's clearly a british audience like yeah i think i would bet good money i think right okay I, i i thought that was that was very funny because yeah just it just looked like the uk in the early noughties to me and they've all got different hair from when yeah. we see them backstage. <laughs> like Tina being the most obvious, she's got. Are they like they look almost like sort of dreadlocks or like like loads of plaits? I, I think they're just very long plaits, and it but makes like the no sort sense. of hairstyle that would take a while to do. And clearly, for Hollywood Seven, they were clearly just like, yeah, we're not going to recreate that. <laughs> it's not worth the time. Like, if anything, I think all of them have better hair in the concert than they do in the TV show. That's a good question. I think, well, Hannah Hannah's the biggest glow up for me. I, I really like Hannah with short hair. Um, although they keep covering it with a bandana sometimes, which is just, the, the bandanas in this band. It's just absolutely ridiculous <laughs> how many bandanas and dungarees they keep putting on people. Uh, you know, they're not hippies. Come on, guys. Yeah, John's got a sort of bandana that's like covering his entire head, isn't he? Like a, it's like got a different name. I don't know where it's not like a a strip of material. It's like covering the entirety of his head. Oh, <laughs> uh, I guess yeah. They they want to make them look different. I I guess, but yeah, still. I I, mean, I thought the suits was a nice touch because normally you don't see like back in this day and age the men and the women wearing the same thing, and it was it was nice mm-hmm. to see the girls in suits. But yeah, the that say the accessories were lacking, I would say. So yeah, Rachel has this dream where they all perform Never Had a Dream Come True. Um, She wakes up, goes downstairs for breakfast and her dream was so visceral. She thinks the concert has already happened and went really well. She walks into the kitchen like, wow, wasn't that brilliant, guys? And they're all (laughs) like, what are you talking about? We haven't done it yet. 
absolutely loved saying uh, Bradley saying the concerts tonight, Yahoof, classic, classic guest <laughs> club. Um, and yeah, there was this weird thing in the previous scene where Bradley was obsessed with whether he says good evening, Los Angeles or good evening, oh, LA. Yeah. Um, and actually I think in the previous scene, they've like, you know, put him on top of it being like, good evening, LA. <laughs> just, just yeah. to prove it. And even though he knows it was a dream, he wants to know that, you know, if he, if he performed that correctly. So, so there we go. And Hannah's wearing dungarees and a bandana in this scene. So there we go. Point, point proven. Yeah. That running thing with Bradley, I, I didn't even write anything down. It comes up like three or four times in the episode and I just chose to ignore it. <laughs> it was so <laughs> inconsequential to me. <laughs> There's a joke coming up. There's a there's a joke coming up that references it, which is which is kind of funny. So, um, the Christina Aguilera joke. So oh, that, yeah. that that was funny, but I mean, there would have been better ways to build up to it. Yeah, Dean gets some quite good lines in this episode. I like Dean. He does. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I mean, again, I've I only know from from hearing the previous episodes, but he's a decent actor and a decent character, definitely. Yeah, and he's definitely this sort of like. I don't know, he's almost like a sort of uncool dad. Like he's really supportive yeah. of the band, but he's not really like like down with what they're doing. He just sort of goes along with it, like, oh, these kids are great. <laughs> yeah, and like I think he's less of a caricature than everyone else we've seen up until this point. I mean, like the uh I can't remember his name, but the the character who was managing the boy band in the special that I did. He was he was a very good yeah. actor as well. But that was such an exaggeration. Whereas Dean is much more grounded here. Like he is believable. So it's now suddenly time for the concert. We've sort of like skipped through the day. Very um, suddenly. <laughs> according to what we see in this episode, they're performing at well, from the outside, they're performing at an arena in LA, which was called the Staples Center at the time. It's now called the Crypto.com Arena, because I looked it up. Yes, like... and did you also look up the capacity, Sophie? Because I did, and it has a 20,000-person 20, 20, capacity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they haven't sold as many tickets as we thought. <laughs> exactly, and I'm like, if if it's 12,000 two weeks before the show is that a year of little faith that, that that's that's all they're going to sell that's all there was or you know <laughs> did they just get it wrong and it should have been twenty thousand people yeah the audience looks pretty packed at the uh i, I assume it's the men arena <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely jam-packed. i like how whenever we see the audience there's like it's lots of like screaming kids mainly girls and like you can see parents dotted around and some of them are into it and some of them are clearly not like they've just taken their kids and are sitting down like what is this did you ever go to concerts like that when you were a kid uh occasionally like not that many i did go to see s club seven at one point but i gen i have hardly any memory of it i it was a it wasn't this tour i think it was a later one Mm -hmm. and i think joe was injured at the time like she'd broken her leg or something so she was like sitting down throughout the whole show um I guess it was like the tour after this one when they were sort of on the way out. But yeah, I just, it's it's sad how you have these experiences when you're younger and you just have like no memory of it. (laughs) I don't know if that's just me. (laughs) No, no. Oh, my my memory is absolutely appalling. So I can definitely identify with that. But yeah, also Joe being injured. She's the one you want the least injured because she's so often the one taking the lead so yeah that must have been a bit disappointing for you yeah you know what I'd like hadn't actually even remembered that I'd seen them live until you just asked me then (laughs) otherwise I would have thought exclusive this episode is just all about them performing live and I was just like oh this is new to me (laughs) 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, it's now, it's 15 minutes until the show starts Mm -hmm. and we have some fantastic outfits. There are a lot of sequins involved. So many sequins. So many sequins. I don't know what kind of hat Hannah is wearing. John, yeah, has that black bandana with silver stars. I mean, it's, it's, and whatever, everything that Tina wears in this episode, maybe apart from the white suit, is appalling. Absolutely appalling. Yeah, there's a lot of bedazzled denim, like sort of customized jeans where it's like more sequins than actual denim. It's, it's, and like, it doesn't even match. That's the thing. I think denim might be the only, kind of uh yeah common common thread because it's all different colors different patterns you know not even similar kinds of tops and trousers so it, it just looks like they've braided you know a, pl- a play box in a theater or something like that like a yeah a, a makeup box or and and some costumes because it's just absolutely wild mm-hmm. and obviously these were the outfits they were wearing for the actual tour but then they haven't recreated the hairstyles so they're backstage with like one particular hairstyle and then they go on stage and it's like oh okay you look incredibly (laughs) different (laughs) it's only so much that they can do but uh yeah that because it's 15 minutes till the show starts there's Mm -hmm. a pretty downbeat atmosphere Mm -hmm. and dean is kind of like now i don't want to put pressure on you but if you're bad this is all over (laughs) yeah because they don't want to go down the route of shawaddy waddy and the bay city rollers of course (laughs) (laughs) Those hip young references for the kids. Uh, But I did love uh, Rachel going, Shawadi who? Hannah going, the Bay City who? And Dean's like, exactly. I mean, (laughs) that's some logic there. Yeah, Rachel is in this scene because she's kind of like freaking out. And then we cut to five minutes later because it's we hear that it's 10 minutes until the show starts the girls are in the bathroom doing their makeup and joe makes a comment about rachel having been in the loo for over half an hour i spotted that as well (laughs) and it's like come on she's been in there for five minutes max i mean all they would have had to do is in the previous scene say it's half an hour (laughs) yeah (laughs) because that would have been fair enough you know she you could have seen that she would have gone uh soon after and, and that's it but yeah that continuity error like absolutely blaring continuity error yeah joe is exaggerating <laughs> mm-hmm. um she so she's it turns out she's kind of locked herself in the bathroom because she's freaking out um she's saying you know it's too much pressure what if something goes wrong we're going to be a laughing stock hannah does a pretty bad job of trying to talk her around and rachel mm-hmm. just basically ends up dragging hannah down with her and making her nervous as well um hannah is just being kind of like oh it's just like any other gig but with more people <laughs> yeah she's not very convincing is she um and then Dean comes in and he says the very memorable line that, you know, if she doesn't come out of there and if they don't go and perform, Howard will hang me up from the nearest tree and pour custard up my nose. 
which I was there trying to figure out exactly. So you'd have to be upside down, get some custard. And I was thinking like, that's such an English phrase, like how many Americans eat custard? And he's an American guy saying that. Uh, so specific, like that's Sorry. happened before. <laughs> was, you know, was someone on the writing team bullied that this happened to them and they're kind of, you know, putting their life into the S Club 7 TV show? I hope not. <laughs> Poor Dean. He's he's very worried about that this is going to happen. Um, Joe comes up with an idea, which is to get Rachel's favourite teddy and threaten to flush it down the toilet. Um, obviously, Rachel's very upset, and they all like get the bear and start counting down the seconds until they destroy it. So she comes out of the toilet. Problem solved. Yeah, and you know when she comes out and sees what's happening. Not long afterwards, she suddenly has no doubts, and she's like, "Okay, fine." And you're like, "What? That, that's really all it took?" <laughs> yeah, Joe like turns to her and goes, "See, now singing on stage ain't so bad, is it?" And Rachel's <laughs> just like, "Yeah," like she's just instantly zen because her teddy bear isn't going to be killed. And I was thinking, did she bring the teddy bear with her? Did they have to go home to get the teddy bear? Because if so, that would have taken longer than five minutes. You know, again, questions left unanswered. Um, although I did appreciate that Dean saying that he had his head flushed down the toilet once and it wasn't pretty. <laughs> I think that helped, that helped convince Rachel, I think. <laughs> and again, there's like no lesson here about, you know, like supporting your friends, like, you know, motivating people, getting them out of a difficult situation. It's just like, we are going to threaten her with the thing she loves most and she will come out. <laughs> and be happy. Great messaging for the kids. The band now go out on stage and perform Bring the House Down. Um, completely different hair. Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed this song. I've mainly written notes about Reach, really. I kind of, this one just sort of whizzed past me a little bit. Um, and then we kind of cut to the end of the show, don't we? Like they're coming off at the end. Mm-hmm. And they talk about there are 12,000 people screaming, <laughs> so drink. <laughs> <laughs> so specific. Um, oh, actually, yeah, during the song, I quite liked how um, there's a shot of Dean like watching it on a little yes. crappy TV backstage and he's sort of dancing along like a proud parent. Yeah, I, I did enjoy that scene. And that, that is pretty much the only note I made apart from such appalling outfits. There are dancers too, and they also have appalling outfits. So. <laughs> yeah, and the audience generally have appalling outfits at the time. <laughs> but the audience are children without stylists. Fair enough, right? <laughs> There's a lot of, um, they're called like dealy boppers, like those little antenna headband things yeah. that were big at the time, I guess. A lot of crop tops around the neck. Again, I saw that as well. You know, the ones that you tie up around your neck definitely had one or two of those. Like it, it was extremely nostalgic and that's it. Like extremely British, I feel like. I really don't think that would have been the fashion in LA at the time. Yeah, definitely. It looks like a very British crowd. Yeah. Um, after the show, the band are all like buzzing in the dressing room. Rachel is like, you know what? I wasn't nervous at all. And they all have a laugh. Um, Dean is telling them how well they did. Um, so they get called back on stage for an encore. And there's a sort of weird exchange with the person who's like the stage manager. Yeah. <laughs> this was so weird to me. It was so weird because I'd, I'd made a note, right? That So the person who was the stage manager counting bound, she always made like space references. So it was like, oh, 15 minutes to lift off, 10 minutes till satellite launch. And I was like, that is so strange. And I was like, is this going to be a thing or is this just going to be a weird some weird moment that's not going to get pointed out but it is pointed out because dean is like hey why are you always using space euphemisms and she's like oh i just always wanted to be an astronaut 
that's it. (laughs) And then Dean makes a little like rocket noise where he's like, (laughs) (laughs) ah, makes makes no sense at all. But yeah, so this is where the you know they try to crowbar the Good Evening Los Angeles thing. So Bradley's still concerned about how he said it, and Dean says it's the best Good Evening Los Angeles since Christina Aguilera said it in Chicago, which was very (laughs) nice, very nice. But uh, again could have got to that joke a different way without forcing that plot point yeah and i like how they sort of like dubbed in that like good evening los angeles where (laughs) it was clearly like manchester (laughs) yeah exactly uh they go back out for their encore which is reach and i would say i think like in the whole of this tv show this is probably the most sort of joyful thing i've seen in it and it's (laughs) something that was not shot for this tv show it's just s club seven you know doing their own concert i just liked how they really look like they're having fun the audience are all going wild Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed this and it made me feel a bit like this is the s club i want to see Mm -hmm. i don't want to see this sort of scripted version of s club where they're all just whinging all the time i want to like see them performing and actually like looking like they're enjoying themselves and not like they've been forced into doing a gig (laughs) That's it. I mean, we're going to discuss something later, right? Which really made me realize that I I can understand why this was the process, but I think Simon Furder, whoever, really wanted S Club 7 to be a product, right? You know, yes, Mm -hmm. they're going to sing in half pop songs, but they're also going to be actors and they're also going to promote other things and be kind of little, little dancing monkeys, literally. And I agree with you. I mean, it was it was really fun, although there were some very awkward sing-along bits because yeah. <laughs> they try to get the audience to sing along. And they, they always can get them to sing along, but it's never at the beginning. They have to be like, come on, guys. <laughs> and there are bits where clearly there's no one singing. So that that was a little bit awkward. I also find it quite funny that the they slow down and take certain scenes they put certain scenes in black and white even yeah. as the song continues playing and I was like are they trying to be artistic here or they're trying to make it very kind of triumphant punch the air because I mean there is zero jeopardy absolutely zero jeopardy in this episode and this is meant to be kind of the the, the final triumph um but yeah it's I, it was it was weird I found it strange because it, <laughs> I think they were trying to add something art house where it really isn't art house yeah, it's made me want to watch the whole um, the whole concert now. I th- I'll try and find all of it mm. on YouTube, I think. I wonder if that's like a stylistic choice throughout the whole thing, where it's just like, oh, we need, we need to mix it up a bit. Let's just do a little bit in black and white for a few seconds. So Reach as well, I can totally understand that if it's never had a dream come true or a ballad, but Reach is quite a poppy, happy song. Like you want, I don't know, a yellow filter and some shininess. Um, but yeah, the, the other note I made about... Um, this scene is I think towards the end where you know they're doing just reach for the stars Paul at one point goes scoobity 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 <laughs> yeah I love that <laughs> and it's I was like, like she's really to, trying to make the end here. of the song when they're all getting really into it's I think it's the bit where the, the audience are like singing along isn't it <laughs> oh it really made me laugh and I was like clear I, I can imagine Paul might have had this idea in the studio and they cut it out why <laughs> I want Paul saying scoobity 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 <laughs> <laughs> he's putting a bit of like jazz into it <laughs> oh it was it was hilarious and then it just ends <laughs> like <Yeah>. that with <laughs> nothing just uh really really weird no plot <laughs> yeah a very plot light episode so we're gonna talk about something else now um i deliberately you know 
had my eyes on you for this episode because I thought this is quite a plot light episode so we can talk about this other thing as well Mm. um yeah when you were last here we talked a little bit about something called S Club TV which was a sort of short-lived S Club themed TV show with seven presenters actually I didn't I didn't even bother to count them I assume there's seven seven it's just yeah (laughs) it's too many (laughs) and two of them are Holly Willoughby and the actor Ben Barnes and yeah we were talking about this last time because we were quite confused by it neither of us had any real memory of it and there's very little info about it online just you know like oh Holly Willoughby was in this tv show that ended quite quickly um so in the meantime since we recorded that you managed to get hold of an episode of s club tv um which we've now both seen uh and i'm still confused to be honest <laughs> oh, listen i yeah i'm very confused yeah so i managed to get hold of episode 10 of s club tv mm-hmm. i don't know how many episodes there there were and quite hilariously on imdb the only fact that there is about this tv show is all seven presenters presented every edition with bare feet possibly for a neutral <laughs> look against the studio's very white furniture and decor studio guests however did not have to follow the same rule <laughs> <laughs> imagine if that was a rule for the whole show <laughs> that's the gimmick yeah but this was I, oh my god like when 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 i got the episode i got it a while ago and I watched a little bit of it and then, you know, forgot about it. But when I sit, sat down to watch it today before this record, it really made me laugh. It is very <laughs> surreal. They try to put, they pack so much in to, what is it, like 20, <laughs> 20 minutes, 25 minutes, so many sections, so many presenters. There's a lot going on. Yeah, it's it's a sort of magazine show, isn't it? Like almost like the one show sort of vibe. Yes, I, I got the one show vibe as well, exactly. The way it just but cuts... With- randomly as well but with a vague s club seven theme um i have a feeling this episode probably has more s club seven than other ones because they do actually perform live at the end of it like i'm assuming that wasn't in every episode like we probably got more s club in this one than any other episode of s club tv i'm assuming i i wonder i don't know because i mean there's a section where they interview paul like uh john and hannah do some product placement uh john rachel a few of the others are kind of filmed as well so is it just is it that they just filmed all this extra stuff and then peppered it into the tv show i don't know but yeah you know beyonce's in this one as well so there's there's a lot going on (laughs) Yeah, in, in terms of like what it's about, at the beginning, one of the hosts describes it as your weekly dose of pop, pets, pranks, and lots of partying, all <laughs> served that. up with a generous helping of special S Club sauce. <laughs> I mean, that does sum it up quite nicely, to be fair. <laughs> but I, literally, like a minute in, I was like, I have no idea what I've got myself in for. Like, what is this? Pop, pets, pranks, and partying. But I mean, okay, there's no partying, I would say, in this one, but there are pets and pranks at, at the very least. Um, and yeah, I think already the theme song is extremely catchy. I, I don't mm-hmm. know what you thought about it, but they're, they're spelling out some initials at the beginning that I can't hear. It's saying something, it's like, BTB, you know, get connected on S Club TV or whatever it is. And I was like, I think they're spelling out the name of it. I think it's literally 
S-C-L-U-B-T-V. I think it's that. Oh, that makes more sense than BTB. Right, okay. But not clear, not clear. And I'm not going... Uh, but yeah, yet. quite memorable, considering I've watched it once and I can remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, you know, connected to us on S Club TV. Um, yeah, you won't, you won't unhear it, that's uh, that's for sure. And yeah, sure enough, six of the seven TV presenters are there with their bare feet, now that you know, you, you know. And looking very chirpy, taking it in turns line by line to, to talk about the TV show. And yeah, immediately I was like, oh God, like with S Club 7, seven TV presenters is too much. And six, well, here, six TV presenters is already too much. Lounging around on bean bags. I hope you guys are awake. It's time for your weekly dose of pop pets, pranks and lots of partying. All served up with a generous helping of special S-Club sauce. And we've got an extra special treat for you as our favourite pop band S-Club 7 will be here singing their new song. Yeah, yeah. Come true. Yes, but before that slice of pop, Ben's going to serve up a bigger chunk of the pop cake. It's time for Pop World. And what, what's really strange as well is that throughout the show, I don't know if you noticed this, but they're in the background when other things are going on and they're not not still but they're not moving around very much there must have been like a really boring record where okay you're on cushions lovely but sometimes they're like you know leaning or you know not sitting very comfortably and then you know ben barnes is yammering away uh about destiny's child and you're like god you need to have to sit there with your bare feet on your beanbag poor love yeah, there's a bit where Holly Willoughby is promoting a product and she's kind of like lying next to it, like it's the shopping channel or something, <laughs> yeah. or like <laughs> she's just full on like lying across like two oh, or three bean bags, like I'm in front of a sort of 2000s computer. I mean, yeah, the nostalgia is off the chain. And I've written down so many things about the blaring product placement on this episode as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole segment of the show, isn't it? It's called well each segment of the show has a different name i assume mm -hmm. they're like running features this mm -hmm. one is called rated where they're basically just promoting things to buy for christmas with mm -hmm. the prices and everything <laughs> yeah. um, there's like it's like a brussels sprout tree from sainsbury's because <laughs> um, yeah it's just before christmas we find we find out and there's absolutely nothing christmasy about it at all at this point, <laughs> i would have never guessed because they're all just looking very normal Mm -hmm. And there's a 102 Dalmatians computer game. Sorry, uh, excuse me, Sophie, a PC CD-ROM computer game. Uh, that's <laughs> that's how the presenter says it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really strange. And in, in that section, so John is promoting a remote-controlled motorbike, which is £95. In that day and age, that is extremely expensive. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, the product placement for me, the best in that section was when Hannah uh, is promoting <laughs> a VHS of Stuart Little. And she says, you know, she's saying, like, oh, you know, I, for Christmas, I think this VHS of Stuart Little is really nice. It's a lot film and then she goes it was the box office number one in the uk and the us <laughs> yeah i've written that down she has not seen this film it's just been shoved into her hands and she's been Lesser. told to say like any kid watching is gonna be like oh my god it was the box office number one i have to get this <laughs> must get it now 
And I, I similarly, John, clearly this thing has just been shoved into his hands. Like with these little S Club bits, I get the impression they've just been kind of like slotted in when they've got a spare minute, like while they're mm-hmm. doing something else. Like, oh, they're all doing a photo shoot. Quick, Paul's having a coffee. Let's get him to film <laughs> a minute for S I mean, Club TV. Literally, John is having a tea <laughs> in, in one of the things. John and Rachel just sitting on a sofa, probably, I don't know, waiting in between dance rehearsals or uh filming a music video and they're just there being like hey <laughs> you know hi guys and it's all like oh let's see what s club are, are up to i think it's called s club update and they're like yeah, yeah. yeah we're promoting never had a dream come true and then it's just what 30 seconds a minute of yeah <laughs> uninspiring video <laughs> it's less than a minute it, and oh my God. as soon as it finishes one of the presenters goes whoo after all that excitement <laughs> it's like no we, we've just seen like the band standing around doing a photo shoot and it's like and it's yeah john and rachel being like oh what have we been up to recently oh, we've just been doing loads of promo for Never Had a Dream Come True, really. And it's like a week in the life of S Club 7. They're both knackered, like visibly just like, what the hell have we even done this week? It's the same as usual. This is this is our lives now. This is the machine. This is the treadmill that we're on and we just have to, to keep going. But the segue from the S Club update to Dr. Vet, I mean, were you expecting that? I certainly wasn't. Oh, I hate Dr. Vet. It's like a nightmarish sort of cartoon character, isn't it? Oh, I mean, so, I mean, the section itself was quite wholesome because it was like, oh, yeah, talking to this woman who runs the Young Farmers Association in Suffolk. This bit made me think of the one show. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it it did. It did. Uh, And a bit Alan Partridge as well, I thought, just uh, all the different kids with the the animals. Um, But yeah, it's very wholesome. And it's clear that Dr. Vet, who's this mad ginger animated man with a very <laughs> annoying voice is is a concept whereas the man that we see in the vt is an actual vet providing actual advice uh to it but just the way that it goes from s club 7 promoting never had a dream come true to here's some young farmers and stuff like you're like what is going on <laughs> yeah that Too is much a handbrake turn there's a bit where a girl asks the vet because the, the setup of this bit is like they've all brought their pets in and they're asking the vet questions about their pets. And this little girl asks the vet how she can tell whether a snail is male or female. And mm-hmm. the vet goes, oh, they can actually be male and female, these ones. And then we cut to the next <laughs> thing. And it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> if I was a child watching that, I would have been like, what? I want to know more. I want to know more. <laughs> it's literally just like, oh, snails can be male and female. On to the next thing. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the thing. So there's this section, and there's the uh, talk. Uh, no, not talk about that's that's something else. But there's the oh um, god, yeah, that that talk about bit. I think was the cringiest <laughs> bit where they're Awful. all just talking about friendship and telling really dull stories about so how they met their best dull. friends. So du- so violent as well. Two of them, it's like oh, we absolutely hated each other, but now we're best friends. I mean, one of the one of the guys he talked about like we hated each other when I played football. I would make sure that we were on different teams so I could beat him and then once he kicked me and I cried and then he came and apologized and now we're friends and we're still friends and you're like bloody hell mate (laughs) and by the way these are the presenters of the show who are telling these stories these aren't (laughs) children these are like these 20 something year old presenters lounging around on their beanbags like oh well I met my best friend in Birmingham and blah 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 and then it's kind of interspersed with them 
saying little like phrases about friendship to the camera oh, <laughs> like so oh bad. best friend is always there for you and it's like oh i really i want this segment to be over now please the thing is right it's like people definitely weren't talking about mental health or anything like that back in the day and you feel like this is it's trying to do that because it starts by saying like oh you know sometimes your family sort of isn't enough and it's nice to have people your age that you can talk to about your problems but then with ben barnes being like you haven't you know, you don't need to know your best friends for ages to be best friends. I've only known these guys a year and I've got six new best friends. You're like, oh, Ben, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> I wonder if they're all still friends now. Oh, I mean, I, I, I think, because I, didn't one of them, the because the news about it that I read, it was basically like, oh, was it Holly Willoughby remembered or shared some video from it? So mm-hmm. I would imagine that it wasn't, you know, it, complete completely terrible for them but um did you notice that the the section that holly willoughby is presenting she's basically leaning over and showing her boobs in like this very (laughs) it feels like a very set up way where they're just like you know she's got lovely boobs let's make her lean into the camera and she's barely out of her teens it's it's yeah it's gross basically yeah and also the fact that out of all of them she um got cast in that s club special like that seems like quite a deliberate thing like oh, let's pick one of the girls from this one to, like, have mm. a cameo in the S Club TV show. Like, which one are we going to pick? Yeah, no, it was uh, it was terrible. And I never want to hear about Caroline, who's up in Nottingham again, who sounds like the most boring person <laughs> in the world. Today on Talk About, we're talking friends. Well, you know, best friends. Someone who's always there for you, no matter what. Sometimes, no matter how hard your family try, they might just not be on the same wavelength as you. You want to talk to someone who's maybe your own age and perhaps can experience the kind of things you're going through. And that's why best friends are so important when you're growing up. The memories of the times you've shared together will last you a whole lifetime. Yeah. I remember when our first best friend I ever made, because you know when you're at infant school and you start off and you have a couple of days where it's making friends day. First one always sticks as well. Yeah. And um, I was playing in the playground and I fell off the climbing frame and they were quite high and I cut my knee open. (gasps) And this this girl came along and she scooped me up in her arms and she carried me to the nurse's. (laughs) (laughs) And she carried me to the nurse's office and sat with me for about half an hour while I got my knee bandaged. And I was best friends with her for years afterwards. You don't have to have known your best mates forever. I mean, I've only known this lot a year and I've got six new best friends. My best friend, um, people used to always think we were twins at school because we both got long dark hair and we just looked alike and we used to act the same stuff. And we used to argue so much. I think it's because we were so alike. Best friends are there through the good, the bad and the embarrassing times. We, were, we used to hate each other, right, really hate. We used to live next door to each other. We used to look out of our bedroom windows and we just used to make eye contact and we used to growl <laughs> at each other like, I hate you. And then we used to see each other on the park and play football together and I'd always make sure I was on the opposite team to him so I could run around and kick him. And then one day, no, the thing is, he got the better of me. He kicked me really hard and I ran home crying one day. I was about nine, ran home to my mum and he came and knocked on my door and said, sorry, and we made best mates. We're best mates now. We're still best mates now. Don't take best friends for granted because good friends are really hard to come by. My best friend Caroline, she's up in Nottingham. And we've just been best friends for about... Forever. Yeah, yeah, for about... No, for about four years now, not that long. But you know when you just instantly meet someone and you just click... Yeah, and like yeah. we've gone to college together, we always go and you out joined together. At the hip as well. We literally, yeah, honestly, we literally are joined at the hip. Yeah. <laughs> so remember, best friends are worth hanging on to. And here are some of our special friends who've shared a lot together. It can only be our favourite pop band. It can only be S Club Seven. Um, I think yeah. What, what was definitely more interesting was the Ben Barnes 
pop world sections, which I was like, okay, is this, is this a rip off? <laughs> like who, who sued who sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I found it absolutely hilarious. So Ben Barnes is interviewing Destiny's Child because Independent Women is coming out or Charlie's Angels yeah. is coming out, I think. And yeah, he talks about them being US champions of girl power and a feisty threesome. <laughs> but because they're not in the studio or, you know, like, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it. It feels like a Zoom interview in 2001 and just extremely awkward. Yeah, they clearly never met. Like, he's just saying the questions directly into the camera. Like, and they've clearly been interviewed at another time, like by, you know, someone like a TV production person sitting behind mm. the camera asking them these things. And then later on, Ben Barnes is just kind of like, so ladies, <laughs> how did this come about? <laughs> And yeah, this is where my, my conspiracy theory comes in, right? Because so they he asked them what you know was the song written for Charlie's Angels, and they say, well, no. So they were on the Columbia record label uh, or something like that, and it was mm-hmm. the Columbia Film Studios. And so they picked you know the song, and all they had to do was sing you know the Lucy Lou chart with my girl Drew yeah, etc. Yeah. over it. But you know what else was Columbia? Sophie Stuart Little. So I'm like, this is oh. all this is all product placement. <laughs> There's, there's a whole like clip from Stuart Little as well, isn't there? There is, yeah. What they, mm. they, you know, they basically spoiler cut off S Club Seven halfway through the song at the end, <laughs> but they have time to do a whole bloody bit on Stuart Little. I mean, oh dearie me. Um, but yeah, it was just also really weird how the interview ends with them going bye Ben and blowing him a kiss. Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> really it's weird. strange seeing Beyonce back then because obviously she's such a kind of a massive star now it's weird seeing her being all sort of like shy and stuff like the three of them mm-hmm. seem quite like i don't know not very confident in this interview it's quite seems tired as well you know just like uh s club it's like you must be like the prom- or maybe you know i'm seeing that with my more skeptical pop eyes which is like you must have to do a million interviews like this a day talking to an imaginary man <laughs> in a studio far <laughs> away uh yeah i would find it really really annoying um but yeah, then then after that we have Ben Barnes's news, which made me think like, oh god, yeah. like if if I had known about this section, like I would have absolutely loved this TV show because it's basically like I don't know, sort of news round of pop news uh, in the world. Yeah, the first two sections are both about pop music, and then it just completely veers off into like the one show territory. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, there's news that the Christmas number one is going to be a battle between Westlife, the Wombles, and Bob the Builder. <laughs> exactly. Blast and, from the past. And, yeah, so strange that it's kind of introducing gorillas and the fact that he, you know, he mentions that it's Damon Albarn singing and he calls him a cheeky monkey. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but after that, Sophie, we have obviously one of the best sections, which is finding out what Paul Catamore's three favourite music videos are. <laughs> yeah, and you hear what they are and you think, Paul, no wonder you, like, didn't feel that comfortable in S Club 7. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, have a guess, guys, because uh, would you have guessed The Verve, Nirvana and Thriller by Michael Jackson? I don't think you <laughs> and yeah clearly they've just sort of caught him while he's on a break and he's kind of like oh yeah bittersweet symphony i just love the way he's just walking down the street <laughs> and then we just sort of move on like that's the uh the take on that that was it with, with the verb i was like come on paul and then but the nirvana one like i i thought it was fair enough because he says I, I really like it it's quite simple but what i like about it is that it feels like there's a live audience there and it creates an atmosphere and i was like oh wow yeah fair enough that's that's quite thoughtful 
And I guess thriller isn't such a surprising answer compared to the other two. But still, it makes me think like, Paul, were you in the right band here? Like, mm-hmm. are you the Robbie Williams of this band? And you just, you know, you need to do something more. Because, um, yeah, this is not very S Club. <laughs> Yeah, I want to see more of these episodes now, but like just the ass club bits. Like I want to know what else they were made to do for this weird show. And I never want to see the pranks again because the little devil oh, bit is... I felt so sorry for that oh, presenter, bless her. I, I, me, me too, but uh, I think you know, it's like I get that, you know, you want to do pranks, but it's a kids TV show, so it's quite difficult. But the fact that the, the prank basically is she's asking people for directions in Birmingham, but she has a London street map. It's just awful. And it, it just, yeah, it was, that was really cringe. Uh, I think, yeah, as cringe as the, um, as the talk about bit. Yeah, I hated that. Like she has to ask a guy where Covent Garden is and he's getting quite irate. Like you're in Birmingham, love. <laughs> and she's like, oh, can I get a taxi or something? He's like, you've got to go a hundred miles. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i feel quite bad for it like i'm guessing as well a lot of these like presenters it's probably like i think weren't we saying before they did like public auditions or something like mm-hmm. they're probably doing their first presenting job kind of similar to s club you know just being thrown together in this group of people mm-hmm. and then yeah they're being made to go out and do these like pranks in the street oh i didn't enjoy that bit yeah not at all and you can tell that like they seem like very nice people and they're trying really hard and yeah it's it's so strange to see ben barnes looking so happy chirpy and fresh-faced i have to say uh whereas you know holly willoughby basically looks the same Mm -hmm. um and i enjoyed that there was one section which was holly and phil as well but yeah obviously obviously (laughs) yeah different phil um but yeah i think it's it's a lot of different people and they've tried to break it up a bit you know different people in different sections but i think they should have workshopped it a little bit more Mm-hmm. I wonder how many episodes it did last for, because there's no way of knowing. We can't find out anything about the show. I do have a source. I think I do have a source. So let me let me see if I can get more information and come back to you. Yeah, consult your source. I, I want to know how long this lasted for. Or if anyone listening remembers actually watching this, let me know, because... I have no idea. I I don't even know what channel it was on. I assume it's ITV, given that they're promoting I products. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was the very nice BT promotion oh, uh, yeah. bit at the beginning <laughs> as well, where so there are some people cosplaying different you know, TV shows, nerdy interests, let's say, and then suddenly they're in an outdoor wind tunnel flying. <laughs> no plot. Didn't, and I was like, I, I would have got guessed a lot of different organizations. I don't think I would have got to BT <laughs> with this <laughs> particular visual. But I think the only segment we haven't really mentioned is the one that's called Reach for the Stars. And I, yes, li- I like indeed. to think when they were coming up with the segments, they came up with that one quite early on. And then they were, <laughs> they were maybe thinking, oh, we can theme them all around S Club songs and then realize, no, that's not going to be possible. Because <laughs> this one's called Reach for the Stars and it's all about talented youngsters, I think is the word they use. Um, so we meet a little girl who wants to be an animator when she grows up. Yeah, it's it's very wholesome. Um, the actual section and there's, you know, this animator in a neck scarf helping some kids who are who want to be animators in a children's film tv festival which sounded great um but the the absolutely terrible acting from holly and phil (laughs) at the beginning at the end is really bad and the swearing you know holly tells him to buzz off and then phil writes holly is a wally later on on a piece of paper (laughs) i thought oh 
Christ. But yeah, had you heard of Joseph, the film that they're promoting in the... I think I'd heard of it, but I've never seen it. I think it's one of those sort of like Prince of Egypt style ones where it's like not many people really went to see it. Yeah, because it's it's director video, but right. the cast, it's like Ben Affleck, Mark Hamill. Uh, so you'd think, you know, I, I would I would have thought I would have at least heard of it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess they were really trying to promote it here as well. It's not Columbia, it's DreamWorks, <laughs> it seems. So I, that, that ends that conspiracy, but uh, very strange. Very strange. Yeah, I think that was a real highlight of the episode, just Hannah going, it was the box office number one in the UK and the US. And again, <laughs> yeah. she's sort of like sitting on a bed, isn't she? Like, she's clearly like about to take a nap and they're like, oh, Hannah, can you just do this quickly? Can you just hold up this VHS, please? Tell us all about Stuart Little. <laughs> like even, you know, the, in that same section, the John motorcycle bit, he he's explaining he's like oh you know you've got to start with a motorcycle in between your legs but then once you go like you know once it goes you can make it work and then he says something like unless you're me or like he says something like very self-deprecating and I was like oh no poor John like yeah, he really yeah. he really doesn't want to be doing this does he yeah he says something like um oh once you've got a handle on it which I probably haven't like he oh, he's you, again it's been shoved into his hand just then and he's like I don't know how this works mm-hmm now, as we're coming up to Christmas, you're probably starting to think about your Christmas lunch. Turkeys, stuffing, sprouts. Oh, sprouts. Well, Amy, actually, sprouts may not be everyone's favourite vegetable, but I've found a little way to make them seem more interesting. It's a Brussels sprout tree. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> you see, if you buy it now, plant it, you can watch it grow, and then you can pick off the Brussels sprouts and eat them for your Christmas lunch. But if you don't like Brussels sprouts, you can make your tree into a Christmas tree by decorating it with tinsel. That's cool. Oh, that's pretty. That is wicked. Hiya, it's Hannah here. Um, I've gone for Stuart Little. It's a really, really good movie, and um, it was the box office number one in the UK and the US. Um, obviously, Stuart is the main part, and he's an adorable little mouse with a massive heart, and um, the voice is done by Michael J. Fox. So let's see him in action. Do you love Harry Potter? Well, how about this? A complete collection of all four Harry Potter books in hardback. Find out all about the adventures of Harry, Hermione and the Hogwarts School. Now, they're making a film version of the first Harry Potter book, Harry and the Philosopher's Stone, but it's not due for release until autumn 2001. So I'm afraid until then, you're just going to have to keep on reading. Hello, John here. Well, I'm sure most of you have got remote control cars, but this is the latest toy, and it's actually a remote control motorbike. And the thing about it is you have to make it start between your legs like this so it's standing up. But then once you actually go, it keeps itself up, and it does loads of other tricks and stuff once you get the hang of it, which I'm sure I haven't. So uh, let's give it a go. The new all-action movie, 102 Dalmatians, opens at the beginning of next month. And out on the 8th of December is this PC, CD-ROM computer game to go with the film. Fresh out of prison, evil Cruella de Vil and a gang of nasty villains plot to steal all the Dalmatians in England. That is nasty. Let's have a look at the game. But, you know, they're all back at the end, which is... It's what it's been building towards, right? Like, oh, S Club are going to come and perform their new single. At the end, did, did you write this down? that they're coming on to perform their fantastic new smoochy ballad. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't hear that. I blanked that out. <laughs> I had to go, I had to rewind. <laughs> Did I just hear that correctly? <laughs> like, again, on a on a kid's TV show. I thought I, that was kind of funny because that is absolutely like a teenage word, but I'm like, I've, I've never heard that in the context of S-Club 7. <laughs> 
And it's, yeah, never had a dream come true because as we heard before in their S Club update, they're doing a lot of promo for it at the moment. (laughs) All wearing massive coats. Joe in the biggest sort of fake fur coat must have been absolutely boiling. They are so obviously lip syncing as well in, uh, Mm -hmm. in this little section as well, to the point where they even kept in a mistake where there's, it cuts to Hannah and she's lip syncing along to, uh, a bit where it's only Joe singing and Paul oh, no. is doing the same in the background and then in the next scene you can see him like being like oh crap yeah I wasn't meant to sing then <laughs> oh. So oh no good. they were burnt out by this point I assume bless them I, I yeah I do feel for them like to get dressed up in a coat to go and limp sick in a in a studio where again as I said the seven presenters are there behind them just watching them in the darkness <laughs> really really strange but I am um, I don't know if you noticed but Paul again is trying to make it his own he's doing like some air punches um <laughs> and and stuff and so he's really you know trying to to improve on it I think but then the credits start rolling and it just finishes mid seemingly yeah what you know the time's run out now bye and you're like this show was so tightly plotted and planned building up to this and you just cut them off halfway through not not even you know at the end of a chorus just before a verse no just sort of halfway through very strange because presumably i mean do you think this was live or because that's the only reason i could think of to cut out s club seven at the end of their own show like i wonder that would make sense wouldn't it because it didn't seem live to me but then i don't know if it wasn't live then why did they just cut out at the end yeah you're right i guess that would be that would make sense yeah i didn't think it was live i mean if it was then credit to them because it was very professional all the different sections with all the different presenters and in different formulations but uh but yeah that was that was really bizarre i thought poor s club seven they they probably turned up to this like well, what is this show again <laughs> oh it's it's named after us okay <laughs> yeah it's named after us and we're peppered in it but then we sing a song that we've just said yeah it's yeah i mean it i thought it was ba- it was batshit this tv show i thought it was absolutely hilarious um I, re- I, re- I enjoyed it i i would want to watch more episodes um and we'll have to see if there's more but um yeah just yeah i i think if to be honest, if I had been a kid, I think I would have loved it. I, I think probably it is very well targeted towards children. But yeah, how popular was it? I don't. I don't know. Clearly, it didn't. Um, it didn't, didn't enter the public on. consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor Vet is not a oh, beloved God. children's TV Never character. I think I think I'm gonna have nightmares about Doctor Vet tonight. Oh, dearie me. <laughs> when this comes out, I'll do a, a, a picture or a gif or something so Please. people can see Please. Dr. Vet. <laughs> I, I'm, I was, because it just sounded like such a comedy voice as well. I'm like, is this someone we know? Like, who is this voice actor? I want to, Dr. Vet, if you're out there, get in touch, please. I want to know. Another bit in that Dr. Vet section, actually, that I wrote down is um, at one point there's a boy who just really sort of deadpan goes, I didn't know that goats and sheep and ponies were kept as pets. And he's like holding a sort of wriggling ferret, like a psychopath. <laughs> like that was a real like weird moment of the show. Boy with a ferret, absolute legend. My absolute favorite though was the boy with the stick insects. 
as <laughs> as pets because he's just there and the vet's being like oh yes I mean they got lovely red eyes and I just thought yeah you little legend coming to bring your, your your pets in but yeah they just keep showing like it's clearly I don't know what like 10 12 different kids and the boy with the ferret just keeps being shown over and over again and then you know there's some people with sheep and the, at one point they're like dragging the poor sheep <laughs> well that sheep is not happy <laughs> at all uh but uh but yeah you know good on the woman from the young farmers association a lovely that the vet uh answered people's questions and then yeah they have the section where someone's written in about a dog who gets travel sick oh, yeah. a dog called sparky who gets travel sick and can doctor vet help but unfortunately it's not the nice vet from the previous section it is animated doctor vet being a nightmare <laughs> um so yeah i don't know how helpful it really was <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't let Dr. Vet near my pets. <laughs> I wouldn't let him near me. <laughs> <laughs> so before we finish, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? And is there anything you'd like to plug? So I am at flame underscore me underscore up on Twitter named after a song because I host a music podcast called the over underrated music podcast. And that's at OU music pod on Twitter. Basically me and my co-host Fran pick a theme and then we pick bands that might be considered overrated in that theme and bands that might be considered underrated in that theme. And as mentioned previously, Sophie has been a guest talking about S club seven being overrated and Liberty X being underrated, which we all concluded they very much were. So you should absolutely come and listen to that episode to to get even more deep into pop music from this era and especially S Club. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. Secret to summer ready skin is here. Osea's number one best selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.